Non-Monogamy Help is a podcast where your questions about open, non-monogamous or polyamorous relationships are answered. Our host, Lola Phoenix, will consult a licensed therapist with over a decade of experience to address your problems. Names and locations have been changed or censored to keep your questions anonymous. You're listening to Non-Monogamy Help, the podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 65 of the Non-Monogamy Help podcast. I'm Lola Phoenix. Please send your questions to nonmonogamyhelp at gmail.com and they'll either be read in the podcast or the column anonymously. You're more than welcome to choose which one you'd prefer. If you would like to read the columns and listen to the podcast, you can go to nonmonogamyhelp.com, subscribe to the newsletter by going to go.nonmonogamyhelp.com forward slash email and follow us on Twitter at nonmonogamyhelp. If you want to support the columns and the podcast, it would be amazing if you would be con- if you would consider even becoming a patron. Even $1 a month helps me with just running everything and paying for everything So and just shows me that you appreciate it and I appreciate that. So yeah, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Lola Phoenix. If you donate $5 or more a month, your name with your permission will be read at the end of the podcast. Let's get to this week's discussion question. If this is the first time you're hearing this every week before I read the letter, I put forth a discussion question that you can use with your friends, partners, metamores, anyone you would like to know a little bit more. I also answer it myself briefly to give you a bit of context. This week's discussion question is... How has your ideal lifestyle changed over time? And I think this is really a good question to ask and talk about because I think that we all kind of have an ideal. And one thing that I encourage people to do when they're starting out in non-monogamy is decide what their ideal is or think about what their ideal is because within a monocentric culture, we're kind of encouraged to think about our ideal all the time, like when we're little and thinking about getting married and all that kind of stuff. So we don't really have a lot of time to think about our ideal in terms of polyamory or non-monogamy. I think for me, when I started out in non-monogamy, I actually wanted loads and loads of kids and a big motivator to me being polyamorous was actually to have more than one parent figure and like more help with kids. And then actually when I hit my Saturn return, obviously that was interesting and I ended up not really wanting kids at all, which is ironic. So, and I, but I still very much wanted to be polyamorous and didn't want to change that and wanted it for different reasons. So, which I think is really interesting. I kind of started off really wanting it to have more help with kids and have more parents because I've never really liked the idea of like just a two parent household. I've always thought that that puts a lot of pressure on two people and that, you know, as they say, it takes a village to raise a child. So I just felt like it would be good to have more help. And I do still agree with that, but I don't really have any interest in having kids anymore. So interesting good thing to talk about let me repeat the discussion question again how has your ideal lifestyle changed over time let's get to this week's letter In the past, I was married and dealt with an abusive homonormative relationship, married to a power lesbian doctor who wanted a submissive doctor's wife. When I left that abusive relationship and moved to another country, I started my healing process and learned to be my own primary. I read The Ethical Slut, and this helped me define myself as a relationship anarchist. Because I met more people who were into alternative relationships, I felt more open and free. I was also involved in a queer anarchist punk group that I still see as my family. I became my own primary and was happy to no longer have any other emotional responsibility. I explored my sexuality more and got into more BDSM activities such as spanking, bondage, and humiliation. This led me to move to another country where I started to teach spank therapy. I loved my life, but there also survived two racist homophobic attacks. As a black gender nonconforming individual, I started to feel exoticized and missed seeing a more culturally diverse community. 
I also miss my family, so after seven years away healing from the past trauma of the marriage and getting to know myself again, I decided I needed to move back to the U.S. When I moved back, I had to readjust to the extreme of capitalist life. I started working full-time in the nonprofit world again and had to hide my BDSM kink lifestyle. People I dated were either monogamous or else not familiar with healthy non-monogamy. It just felt quite trendy and not taken seriously. I finally met someone called Kay last year that was on the same page that I was about non-monogamy and wanted to develop a healthy relationship. We even started out reading polyamory books and doing exercises together. About three months into our relationship, they let me know that they wanted to date someone who they were attracted to prior. I accepted that and let them know that I supported this and appreciated that they told me that they felt this way in the beginning. I am attracted to transparency and I also still had a few lovers that I saw and was able to share that with them without them feeling our connection was threatened. I knew that the lovers that I had would not evolve into a more emotionally intense relationship, one connection being primarily sexual and the other spiritual. I felt that my relationship with Kay had the potential to become more well-rounded, emotional, spiritual, and physical. The sexual connection started off great and continues to feel that way almost two years later. What I didn't expect was for their other lovership to grow into a partnership that they have found to be equally important. I met the metamor a few times at the beginning of their relationship and they were very respectful, even seemed to want to become friends. I was resistant to this because I felt I had enough friends in my life and didn't want a forced connection, although Kay would have liked this. Also, there were times when Kay broke boundaries that we agreed on, invited them to the DR to meet their family without telling me until last minute, and also fluid sharing when we formed an agreement around us to only fluid share together. Somehow we overcame those incidents and reinstated our boundaries. I still loved them and didn't want to break up because they were still affectionate and apologetic. During the pandemic, we became closer and even though we were apart for three months, we connected by doing a 21-day meditation challenge together. They were still connecting to their other partner long distance as well, but told me that they wanted to find a place together in the U.S. and plan a future together, meaning start a family and buy a house together eventually. Fast forward, we did reunite, it felt good, and we now live together in the same flat with our own bedrooms. With this ideal setup, I thought it, it would work well since they would invite their other partner to come stay with them, sometimes and vice versa, but five months later, it proves to be more stressful than I thought it would be. They see their other partner once a month, and even though it started off as four to five days, it now is ten days a month. I'm also dating another person that they have met and is also attracted to, and we started a triad because I like to include them in my exploits, but with them planning to spend more and more time with their other partner, they have less capacity to develop this relationship with me. There have been times I've really needed them when my grandma has been sick or I'm feeling down or want to plan a doctor's visit together to freeze my eggs, that they just aren't available based on timing. We have a shared calendar, but they don't seem to look at it prior to making plans with their other partner, and I'm starting to feel like a fool for being so accommodating. They sense my anger and propose that we go to counseling to talk about our different ways of being non-monogamous since the timing has been the most consistent point of contention between us. I'm not sure it's worth it, and I'm also triggered by the time that I tried counseling with my last abusive relationship. It didn't help fix anything, and I felt that I was being called the problem. I'm willing to get rid of this past trauma to work towards a stable foundation with Kay, but I also don't want to waste my time if we can't reconcile our different philosophies on being non-monogamous. I don't want to be apathetic. That's my go-to shutdown, but I don't want to try too hard either. Do you think our non-monogamous differences are worth going to therapy for or that I'm hanging on to a configuration that just doesn't work for me and should let it go? I do know that any relationship can shift and change, but I'm feeling increasingly uncomfortable with the way things are going and feel like this may mean that I should move on to sooner rather than later as I have a tendency to hang on and try to make things work when they aren't supposed to. That is my fear.
Before we get to this week's answer, I'm going to quickly plug this episode's sponsor, BetterHelp. Quite often in a lot of my columns and podcasts, I encourage people to seek a polyamory-friendly therapist, and for a lot of people, looking locally for that kind of therapist just isn't going to work for all sorts of different reasons. BetterHelp allows you to find a therapist online that you can send messages to at any time of day. You can find a polyamory-friendly therapist on there, and they do offer some financial aid. You can get 10% off your first month by using the promo code NonMonogamyHelp or going to BetterHelp.com forward slash NonMonogamyHelp help. Let's get to this week's answer. So the first thing here that I want to say specifically about therapy, if you go into therapy with someone who is abusive, that doesn't work. Um, There's an amazing book I constantly, constantly recommend people read called Why Does He Do That by Lindy Bancroft. And I recommend this book because it was hugely, hugely helpful for me in understanding the pathology of people who are abusive. And I I do want to illustrate that there's a difference as well between people who do abusive things that maybe they have learned because of where they grew up or, or just the society that we grow up in, and people who are pathologically abusive, which means if you read the book, then you do understand the difference between the two. And one thing that Lundy Bancroft and a lot of therapists say who deal with people who are actually, you know, pathologically abusive is that going to therapy can sometimes make it worse, especially couples therapy can can definitely make it worse. So just because you've had a bad relationship with therapy with your other partner who you say is abusive does not mean that it won't work in this case. I think that this is a situation where you have a really good concept of what your ideal is, but it doesn't seem like you've had that conversation with Kay, or it may be that Kay's ideal is shifting, and maybe they don't really know how to communicate that to you. The thing that I worry about is that, you know, you still, Kay violated some pretty serious boundaries that you had. Like, it'd be one thing if it's like, oh, Kay was supposed to come to see me this time, but didn't. But like violating a fluid, fluid bonded boundary is a pretty big deal. And I worry that maybe you kind of forgave a little bit too quickly. Like, I'm not saying that you should break up or that you should have broke up. But I do think that, you know, you have a clear situation where Kay is prioritizing another relationship in a way over you. And you're not really handling it or talking about it or it doesn't seem like you really talked about like forgiving someone for doing something wrong is one thing but working out why it is that they did that is another thing so I think that you need to both sit down and figure out if you share the same as you said philosophies on being non-monogamous but also ideals like does Kay really want to do this have a family you know buy a house together is that something that Kay actually wants and this is something that Kay really needs to figure out especially when it comes to this other person that Kay is also supposed to be in a triad with you with this other person but it's clearly I mean maybe Kay has new relationship energy with this new person and is sort of being sucked in but still does want you know the whole marriage and family and settling down with you but you have to have that specific conversation is is the timing the mishaps you've been having with timing intentional like is because you say we have a shared calendar but it doesn't seem like Kay is checking that calendar before Kay makes plans is that intentional is Kay actually just you know so caught up in things that you know they don't really think about it before they go ahead and make plans or is it that Kay kind of isn't looking (laughs) because you know and that that involves Kay being really real with themselves and they have to be really real with themselves and what they want because Otherwise, this is what eventually happens, like stuff gets missed, the little things start piling up, resentment and anger starts building, and then eventually it ends up being horrible. 
So I don't, I think that you could have a basic conversation with each other about whether or not you share that same goal. Do you, does Kay actually want this? You know, or is Kay envisioning, you know, what is Kay's ideal? Does Kay envision that this partner that they're going to see for 10 days out of the month will eventually come and move with you guys? Like, what is the, what is the ideal here? Do you have a shared intentional vision of what you want your relationship to look like? If you don't have a shared intentional, then, then what you can do, I don't necessarily even think you nece- you have to break up, but it will allow you to decide, okay, Kay doesn't want this, and, and you may need a, a breakup period. It really depends on how you feel personally, but maybe you can shift that expectation, and then Kay spending so much time with this other person won't be such a big downer for you. Maybe this other person that you're dating that you have this like triad with, maybe that can be the person that you have this settling down with who is more interested in that. So it just comes down to what your shared vision is. I think that if you if you can get out of K that you do have some shared visions that this timing stuff is not intentional that they have not you know they they if they can see that they're caught up in new relationship energy which it does sound like I don't know how new this relationship necessarily is but you can be caught up in new especially if you're a long distance and especially with all this pandemic stuff and like the way that people have been touch starved and how difficult it's been like I do think you can be caught up in new relationship energy for a long long time with a long distance connection because every time you see each other you know as they say absence makes the heart grow fonder I do think that that it can be especially true for long distance even if Kay is spending 10 days of the month with them it's like that absence makes things super dramatic in a way that can kind of intensify the new relationship energy. So if, if Kay is able to say like, yeah, I am being a little bit focused on this relationship, but I do want to have this settling down thing with you, then I would say go to counseling together. I mean, the fact that Kay recommended counseling is actually really, really great. That does show an effort to fix things. And again, like I said, just because you've had a really bad experience with counseling with an abusive partner in the in the past, it's it that won't fix anything. Like a, a, a counselor is not going to be able to stop someone from being abusive towards you if that's what they want to do. And going to couples counseling with an abusive partner can actually make it worse, like I said. It's another thing about one thing that's quite popular within the community is, is nonviolent communication. And there's a lot written about nonviolent communication about how if the person wants to be violent towards you, nonviolent communication does not work with them. And similarly with counseling. So I think it's it's a positive sign that Kay has suggested to go to counseling. Kay has recognized that you're frustrated and upset and wants to solve that. And I think that you you have you also might want to consider counseling on your own because there's a bit of a contradiction in what you're saying. Like you you talk about how you're like you're you're worried about trying too hard and hanging on and but then you also say you're apathetic and you shut down. And I think that you might want to work out some of the stuff that you went through with your other partner with a counselor and figure out how to address some of these situations as and when they come up because I do think that if you've had an abusive relationship that and you know depending on what kind of background you come from and surviving so many of the things that you have survived it is going to be hard for you to feel comfortable and safe confronting someone about some of the things that they're doing like that is quite understandable so yeah I I definitely think that makes sense so to sum up 
just because counseling didn't work in your last abusive relationship doesn't mean it won't work now because that partner was abusive. So of course it didn't work and it's okay that you didn't know that. <laughs> a lot of people go through that. You should definitely, like I said, check out that book, look up what other people go through online with going to counseling and abusive relationships. I'm sure there's tons of things written about it especially if you had a counselor that didn't understand your perspective and where you're coming from and didn't understand you know any kind of marginalization that can also compound and add issues to it so you can try and find a therapist who is more understanding of that and also definitely check out online how to interview therapists and ask them questions they are there to work for you they are there to help you and so you can absolutely ask them if they're used to polyamory, if they're used to being with helping people who have been in abusive relationships, if they're used to queer people, if they have, like, you can ask those questions. If you feel like you were the problem, yeah, uh, you can find a second opinion. It's not something where you always have to go by what one therapist says. Unfortunately, sometimes even when people aren't abusive and are trying to find a therapist, it can sometimes not work and that isn't because of you. So definitely, definitely keep that in mind. It's a good sign that Kay has addressed these issues, but you ha you can have a sit-down conversation and figure out if, if Kay is still interested in a shared vision of what you want together. Is Kay still interested in settling down and figure that out with each other? And then, yeah, last thing is just give yourself a little bit of a break <laughs> for having a lot of these feelings and, and maybe see if you can get some therapy one-on-one -on -one for what you've been through with not only just having that really horrible relationship it sounds like but also you know moving so much and then facing like specific horrible attacks and like dealing with horrible people yeah it's it's a lot and that's that's a lot to go through so and now you're also kind of back in the closet now a little bit when it comes to kink stuff and that's a lot to go through so you need a little bit of support in that regard and and then we all have the pandemic which is a lot of shit for all of us to go through so there's a lot of stuff you're going through and you can be a little bit easy on yourself if you kind of you don't sound too like like you're beating yourself up too much but i always think it's good to remind people especially when they've gone through a lot of stuff that like hey you've gone through a lot of stuff and that's understandable that you would feel anxious and a little bit nervous about the things that are happening around you um, but overall I would say this doesn't sound terrible again that my final point is that Kay suggesting that you go to counseling is a really positive sign and I think that you should definitely consider it and just have a conversation. If I feel like if Kay is, is already identifying that you're unhappy and is wanting to fix it, then having that conversation about whether or not you have a shared vision won't be so difficult to have without a counselor, but equally you can find one together who understands polyamory, who's uh, accepting an understanding of queerness and king, and also has is maybe black identified themselves or maybe has worked with black clients before or has some understanding of that instead of just being ignorant about it, which unfortunately a lot of therapists are. But yeah, I hope that helps and good luck. Thank you for listening to episode 65 of the Nominogamy Help podcast. If you want to be awesome, you can donate to our Patreon. Donating $5 or more a month means that your name with your permission will be read at the end of the podcast. This week's current patrons are Laura Boylan, Chris Albury-Jones, Juke Ellen Robinson, and James Wartell. 
If for whatever reason you can't become a patron, because I get it, life happens, it's not always affordable. If you want, you can also take five minutes to log into iTunes, find our podcast rate and review it. That would be super, super helpful. Helps me get the podcast out to new people and get me up on those charts there. So yeah. Um, you can also write a review if you want. If you're not really feeling wordy, that's fine. You can just do a rating. I would appreciate it. So yeah, if you have five minutes to do that, super thanks. That's all for this week. You will get a new column next Friday and another podcast episode in a fortnight. Thank you again for listening. You've been listening to Non-Monogamy Help. Our music has been provided by Chris Albury-Jones at albury-jones.com. And our podcast art was made by Dom Young at d-o-m-d-u-o-n-g.com. Thank you again for listening.